Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Epic Fantasy Romance. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Delicious. Today is, say it with me, people, it is Friday. Woohoo! Uh, February 23rd um, to 2324. So many twos. Uh, I'll be doing this probably into the 2030s. So maybe we'll all still be here. Uh, I mean, podcast wise, not life in the world wise. I am not a doomsayer. Uh, yeah, so it's been an easy, an easy, an easy week. I think it has been an easy week. Um, it has been a busy week for me. Um, generally pretty good. I haven't been, is it, well, I, I want to say I haven't been enormously productive on the book. I have lots of news, and I'm going to share that news in a moment. But um, so that, that's made it a good week. But I've done pretty well this week. I have as many words already as I've kind of been doing every week since the beginning of the year, which hasn't been phenomenal, but this will make what I get done today, unless knock on wood, it doesn't happen. I get nothing done today. This will be my best writing week of the year. Uh, and I am making progress on the first order of the Fey realms. I have less than 11,000 words to go. So, I mean, it's not done. We were kind of hoping it might be done, but still 10,800 words to go um, on the done, downhill run. Um, we'll see. It would be nice, wouldn't it? So, um, but it has been flowing better. I've been feeling better about the book. So, so there's that. Um, exciting news. We finally settled on a title for Onira, a real title, working title, you know, the not working title, the publication title. We've been doing a lot of back and forth this week. My editor, Ali, popped up and we put together the announcement. It was going to go into the publisher's marketplace tomorrow. Um, I'm sorry, it was going to go in yesterday and be out today, but then there was a last minute. Um, you could only have 500 characters and spaces for the description. And so the uh, description of the book that Agent Sarah had painstakingly put together and that editor Ali and assistant editor Deanna had um, approved had to be tightened. And so I helped Sarah tighten it. She liked what I did. And I said, you know, it turns out that all those years of shortening, uh, making tweets fit <laughs> comes in handy. I'm pretty good at trimming out uh, extra words, but also choosing shorter words that mean the same thing or come close. So, uh, yeah, for all those um, critical readers out there, I am getting over this, but I may make jokes occasionally who say that I use words that uh, they have to look up and that. Uh, my writing is too verbose. Um, I am capable of writing shorter if I want to. Spoiler, I don't want to. Oh, there we are. 
So anyway, I won't keep you in suspense. The title for the book uh, that was Onira uh, is now called Never the Roses. What do you think? Never the Roses. It's a good title, isn't it? I like it. Uh, it comes from a line in the book, and Editor Ellie suggested it. Uh, the line is, it was never about the roses. So, and it does have a lot of resonance for what the story is about. So, woo, 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 exciting. Never the roses. There we are. Um, so I had made a note to make sure to tell you that. Oh, and also we have an official, official release date. Um, you can't yet pre-order anything like that, but it will be out August 5th, 2025. 8525, which feels like a good month. For those of you who know me, you know that that's my birth month. Uh, Worldcon, if they are still <laughs> intact, <laughs> uh, will be in Seattle that August. So I might do a Worldcon book launch. That would be fun. Uh, my friend Kelly Robson suggested that that would be great. Uh, let's hope that Worldcon is able to keep their shit together or get it and then keep it. Or I don't know. This has been um, a week for me of being glad <laughs> and, and also knocking on wood that I'm not president of some of these other organizations. There was a um, kind of a big thing that happened that on the RWA website, there was an advertisement for a local chapter workshop on how to use AI to write your romance novels um, when most of the community agrees that using AI to write your books is unethical, probably poor craft, and is really problematic since it's all been scraped uh, content. It's all built on content scraped from authors without their permission. Yeah, it was a choice. I never saw the original. Um, I just went and looked at the RWA website to see if it's on there. Uh, I don't know if it was under one of the pull-down menus, but they have all this stuff on there saying that they um, advocate for their members and intellectual property. So who knows? I suspect that it slipped under the radar and that they didn't realize uh, what was what was going on, uh, that it was on there. That was always a challenge with RWA. Um, you know, for all the times that I was involved in governing local chapters, I never served on the RWA board of directors. But you know, with local chapters, it was always very hard for RWA to govern what they were doing. Um, and likewise, local chapters often rebelled at what RWA asked of them, RWA National. So it's been a question. We have talked about it in CIFWA any number of times, establishing local chapters. And it's still, it's still a topic for discussion. I had started working on it. I really had <laughs> um, right before pandemic happened. And then, of course, we weren't having any kind of personal meetings whatsoever. So... I don't know. Um, now that we can do it, I think we're still having conversations about 
is it a good idea? I would like for people to have local meetups, but it does become very difficult for the uh, core organization to make sure that the satellite chapters are staying within mission, but staying within uh, something like maybe you shouldn't have a workshop espousing AI to write your novels. Um, so glad that wasn't me, that I didn't have to deal with that. Um, there's been other tea this week, but um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I'll talk about it. Um, the other thing I do want to talk about, which is like completely nothing to do with writing, but it does have to do with health, which I technically have as, uh, listed as a thing on this podcast, was full confession. I bought a thing entirely because of Taylor Swift uh, and not just her music, um, which of course I buy anyway. But um, no, I bought this sports bra because Taylor Swift uses it. And I don't think I've ever done anything like that in my entire life, but I did. Um, in part because it's a posture correcting sports bra and I had read about that she wore it when she was doing her now very famous workout. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, to prepare for this incredible uh, era's tour, she ran every day on the treadmill for and sang the entire set list of the show. So she walked for the slow songs, ran for the fast songs. I saw a funny article where someone who is like a runner attempted to do this and made it like halfway through the set list. It's like, I don't know how she does it. Um, it probably helps that she's 34, but, um, I, she apparently also wore this posture correcting sports bra and said how great it was because being a tall woman, she has a tendency to slump and I I've seen it in her and I have sympathy because I have a tendency to have a little bit of a, of a widow's hump when I was, in adolescence, I had scoliosis and kyphosis. So it's an ongoing thing, especially as I get older, to work against that bending. Um, and being a writer doesn't help because I'm crouched over my keyboard like Gollum, whispering to it and having terrible posture. So I bought this sports bra, which was very expensive, probably it's probably in line with like Lululemon expensive, but I think Lululemon expensive is expensive, but it's called form F O R M E. And their website is form.science and people, I'm just going to tell you, this is the best thing I have ever had on my body. <laughs> it is the best thing. It is the most comfortable sports bra I have ever had on my body. And it, kind of works to, if you're on video, I'm kind of squirming around, but um, it works to roll my shoulder blades down my back. And the posture correction is amazing. I've only been wearing it for three days and already I can feel a big difference uh, in my upper back. So, uh, I mean, it was like by the time I had tax and shipping on there, it was almost $200, which I feel like is a lot of money for a sports bra bra. And yet three days later, I am contemplating buying another one. I'm thinking, I don't know, I might buy like one a month until I have enough to wear every single day while I'm writing. Uh, I haven't started wearing it 
what I'm writing yet. Uh, if you're on video, you say I'm just like wearing my usual thing, my tank tops and stuff. But I have been wearing it when I run on the treadmill, when I lift weights and doing dog walk in the morning. And it's, I wouldn't say it's making my back sore, but I can feel it's moving things around and I don't want to overdo. But eventually I think I'm just going to wear, get like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, ideally, I do the laundry every other week. Maybe I'd have to step it up and wash them on the every week. You know, I could have five of them or ten. Do I want three thousand dollars worth of these sports bras? The answer is maybe. <laughs> it's, it is. I just can't even tell you how. I guess I am. I can tell you uh, just how great this thing is. And um, yeah, I may just order a second one right now. I'll put a link to it in the show notes in case you care. Um, all my guy listeners out there, and, and I know you're there because you send me messages and I love hearing from you. Um, sorry, I don't think they make one for men, but they do have like other things. Uh, but yeah, sports bra for the win. Uh, speaking of, um, I should, I wanted to get the name correct. Uh, one of my listeners, listeners out there is John Barr. Hi, John. I don't know if you like to have your middle name in there and it's slightly difficult to pronounce, so I'm going to leave it out for now. But John Barr is the chair of the Department of Theater and Digital Filmmaking at Eastern New Mexico University. It's in a, uh, ENMU. Uh, which is in Portales, and alert listeners will recognize that as the place where I go annually for the Jack Williamson Lectureship. And John Barr sends me occasional thoughtful notes. And in fact, he sent one really interesting thing that I should share with you all while I'm thinking of it. Uh, but he said that they have a podcasting studio there, and he invited me while I'm there for the lectureship in April to do first cup of coffee from their podcast studio, which I think would be kind of a kick. So we'll do it, right? Let's do that. So what John sent me was a link to an article about Kamal Nanjiani, who has done really cool work, a writer and actor, and I think director too, um, did The Big Sick, among other things, which is a great movie. And he starred in a Marvel movie called The Eternals, um, which got widely, widely panned. In fact, it has the dubious honor of being the lowest rated Marvel property to ever grace Rotten Tomatoes. Um, which is interesting because it was until Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania snatched away the honor, <laughs> which I actually kind of liked Quantumania. So that tells you where my, I, I almost never agree with real theater critics. I probably don't actually agree with a lot of book critics either. So there's a theme there. But anyway, uh, Kamal ended up going into therapy because he was so affected by the criticism of the movie, which turned into personal criticism that felt like criticism of himself as, as a performer and as a human being. 
And John had sent this to me after I was talking about, uh, uh, maybe I am on theme here today, uh, seeing those comments about my uh, writing being too verbose and readers having to look up words and so forth, which I clearly have not gotten over. So it was really interesting. And I appreciated John sending this. Shout out to John, uh, because it was a really good insight into the fact that, uh, you know, we're all human beings and we it's very difficult for us to divorce ourselves from our creative works. And I can't imagine what it's like to be in a movie where there's so little about it you can control, right? You can maybe control your performance, but can you even control that? Because it depends on what other actors are doing. And then it changes depending on how, how it's cut. You know, like there's always that talk in Hollywood of movies being destroyed in the cutting room. So it, it's a really good um, reminder. And there has been discussion this week on social media uh, Katie Robert, who is a wonderful writer who I've known for a long time and has really skyrocketed, really hit in monster romance. Uh, Katie was talking about how there is this weird flip in fame where, and, and I've seen it happen many times. I know exactly what she's talking about, where you suddenly become so famous that people stop regarding you as a human being. And I, and I think this is part of that. Uh, and, and it's weird because it's not like a gradual thing. There is this pivot where, I don't know, maybe the psychologists need to get on this, but there's something in the human psyche that once a person reaches a certain level of fame, other people decide that you can say anything you wish about them uh, because they're no longer perceived as being human. And maybe it has to do with that same, um, mental state that allows people like the Nazis or serial killers or what have you to commit atrocities where they talk about that they dehumanize their victims, right? They stop viewing their victims as human beings or never start, right? So it happens with fame and it's, it's unfortunate. I'm running a little bit out of time, but I wanted to share two things. Um, first of all, Look at this. If you're on video, this is a beautiful hardback 50th anniversary edition of The Forgotten Beasts of Eld by Patricia McKillop. Um, I had pre-ordered it. It arrived in the mail. Uh, it um, has beautiful, beautiful illustrations by Stephanie Law. I'm showing the one on the cover. It's kind of interesting. It's done by Tachyon Press. And so it has a dust jacket I'm trying to describe. Um, and then the interior book is a shiny, I forget what we call this, but it's, um, you know, like a textbook style printing where it's, I should look up my words before I try to use them. But anyway, it has the wraparound image and it's very, very beautiful and I'm really happy to have it. And I don't know if I told you all, but I got invited by a publicist at Tachyon Press to be on a podcast talking about all things Forgotten Beasts of Eld. So that's exciting, huh? I don't know when that'll be yet. And then also I have, it's Patricia McKillop week here uh, at First Cup of Coffee. Let's face it, it's always Patricia McKillop Day. Um, week, month, year. This is another book that I'm holding up that's called In the Forests of Sarah, which in all truth, I have not read. 
and the lovely Vella, Vella Roth, do I, is Roth right? Yes, Roth. I don't know why I was blanking on that, but um, this is a first edition, and she said that she spotted it in a bookstore, and she thought of me, and she brought it and gave it to me when she was up here visiting for the Beasley Books panel, and I thought, oh, I should share that with you. So um, I don't know why I didn't read this one, except that it's a 2003, so it was a little bit later. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to reading it. So now I have um, my wonderful start of collection of Patricia McKillop hardbacks. So um, that's it for me this week. Uh, I hope I get lots done today. I hope you get lots done today. And I will talk to you all on Monday. You all take care. Bye-bye.